Welcome to Heads Up Hockey. It is all things hockey talk and all things centric around the game. And it's also New Jersey Devils talk as well. And please enjoy the show. Hey, Joe. I hear you. You hear me, Bill? Yeah, I can hear you. Perfectly. So, uh, today was the end of the prospect uh, challenge camp. And I know the doubles went one and two, but end of days, you're not playing for the standings. They're playing for jobs for preseason. Correct. Yeah. So, Bill, give me your perspective from the three uh, sample sizes of these prospect games that you were thinking of. Well, um, one guy that sticks out to me is Nikita Ohutuk. Um, I really like his game. He kind of adds something that the Devils don't have right now, and he's a big physical defenseman that – uh, you have to keep your head up when he's on the ice because he is um, extremely aggressive. He's looking for those. <laughs> he's looking for those big open ice hits. I, I like that. I mean, the Devils haven't had that in a long time. So I, he also sticks up for his players. You saw him go after um, the the guy in the Habs after Nemitz took a big hit in the corner, and I, I mean, I think that was cool to see. So obviously, besides looking at Nemitz and Holtz. He was a guy that I think stood out to me a lot. And I also think Kevin Ball looked really composed out there. He looked like he belonged and was very comfortable. And he seems to be a guy that towards the end of last year, even in the NHL, I thought his game stepped up and he seems to be maturing a little bit. So he's a guy that I'd keep an eye on. Um, I was kind of hoping to see more from Nolan Foote and I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more from Chase, or just see just see anything really from Chase Stillman, um, and he, he didn't overly impress me, to be honest with you. I will say this about Stillman: he's still pretty raw, and he still needs to develop a little bit more. And he's still a young guy, so he's got time on his side. No need to rush him. I'm not worried about him because he's one of those extra first round picks that you're playing around with to see if you have another potential steal. So I'm not overly worried, but I do want him to just develop a little bit longer because we got so many other guys that are more worthy of the near term. So it's like you already got guys like Fabian Zetterlin fighting for spots. You got guys like Nolan Foote that might come in and out of the bottom six if needed in the short term. So with that being said, I mean – does Tice Thompson get healthy and make a name for himself? I think it would be wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you know, I agree with you on Chase Stillman. I mean, he he has like a motor and he's, you know, he, he, he definitely has heart and plays hard. That could be a guy that could be a bottom six player or fourth line player and but that's down the road. There's and there is no reason to rush him. We we do. We have we have a lot of young guys who are actually fighting for roster spots and could make the opening night roster. Um, Tice Thompson, obviously being hurt last year, didn't help his cause at all. So I'm curious to see what he does um, on when, you know, starting on Wednesday in training camp. And if he looks like he's progressed and his game's gotten better because he definitely um, 
he's definitely somebody that could be a, a, a role player for sure. I will throw this out there. I mean, we talked about defensemen earlier. Uh, Nikita Ahotuk, you mentioned another guy who I really like, and I talked to uh, Matt Junio from Pox and Pitchforce. I told him uh, Topias Vilan is the guy who's not going to bring you the offense. He's there to be that old school, boring. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt your play. I'm going to take away the shooting lane. I'm going to block shots. I'm going to do the, you know, the stabilization game. And that's what I want to see, because if you're going to have a big physical guy like a hook or a ball, the big Sasquatches, I like to call those guys because they're physical. They want to go out and kill the uh, opposition whenever they can. Yeah. I mean, I agree 100%. I mean, Ohutuk, he is physical, but he can get caught out of position by trying to take those runs at people. And obviously, if he was the – when he's the play in the NHL, the, the guys, there's a lot more speed. They're a lot harder to hit, especially in the open ice. So, I mean, having a Siegenthaler and a Marino and guys that play a real strong defensive game might – allow him to be a sixth defenseman knowing that they are, are disciplined defensively. So I, I love having a good stay at home defenseman that can move the puck and block shots. Uh, I mean, Andy green was the king of blocking shots for how long. Uh, and it, it just allows your other defensemen to hop into the play or to be a little more physical. Yeah. And Andy green was there for like more than a decade. If, makes me feel old just saying that because you know i remember him being a key factor um in the 2012 stanley cup playoffs so with that being said i mean even the best hockey can be the most boring role that people don't really think so much about um one of my favorite hipster uh players in this prospects challenge i would have to say is xavier perron uh, the kid out of the QMJHL who scored over uh, 50 goals and o- over 100 points in the QMJHL. I really think he has a chance to play well in preseason to try and vie for a spot either in Utica or make it the first nine games. Yeah, that would be interesting. I haven't seen any of his film from the Q, but putting up numbers like that is obviously really impressive. I didn't get to watch the game this afternoon. I was working, but... Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, I I was kind of trying to keep an eye on our top prospects for the most part. Um, and Nico Dawes was a guy that I was trying to see how he would, you know, what he's going to look like coming back another year under his belt. But, um, some of these like super depth guys, it was kind of hard for me to keep up, honestly, um, because I, it's hard when you don't know their numbers. You know what I mean? So I was constantly right. referring back to the computer and my phone, and, and it's like the game is happening so fast. So I tried to really, just being honest with you, um, I, I tried to really just keep an eye on uh, our top prospects, you know, the foots, the balls, the Ohutuks, Nemitz, Holtz, Dawes, those guys and see if any of them look like they had taken that next next step to when they get in, if they're going to if they're going to bring the heat 
Well, definitely. I mean, when you talk about bringing heat, I mean, there's a lot of internal competition inside this uh, organization. And I will say this. I mean, I've been following the Devils prospect pool for years. And, you know, knowing what Lou left us, we let, we, we started with nothing. Then old, old man Uncle Shiro came in and he started filling the cabinet a little bit, bit by bit even though he missed out on several picks, but he started to add more to the cupboard. But now we have Tommy Fitzgerald. He's gotten really good scouting staff over the years. They kept finding the right guys, started hitting on more players. Um, over time, you see these other undrafted players like uh, a Brian Holonen, who had a couple of shots today, who could definitely you know, come up from Utica and definitely, you know, fill in a role. Yeah, I mean, you see what Lou did to us, and it's like you, you kind of look at the Islanders now and you kind of think like, oh, geez, it looks like he's doing it over there too. Um, and you're right, Shiro made some moves, um, and we we basically unloaded all of our vets and we, we were able to get a pretty decent haul for everybody. Um, you know, I thought – someone brought up Blake Coleman the other day and it's like, we got a first round pick for Blake Coleman, you know, plus, plus foot. So, um, I kind of would have liked to, I thought we could have got more out of the hall trade, to be honest with you, um, coming off of the, the season that he had the previous year. But with that said, our pipeline is filled with really nice to go into camp and you could, you could throw together, four or five different line combinations for opening night and have an argument for each one because that each guy, each, you know, one of these youngsters who's coming up does add a different role and has a different attribute that they can add to the team. So it makes, I'm so excited for camp just to see who looks like they've taken that next step. So, I mean, our forward, our forward group's pretty deep, and obviously we have a, a young defensive core with Nemitz and and Hughes in the pipeline, and it's I'm I'm excited. I I will I can't disagree with you there. I mean, for the most part, I talk to other Devils personalities, podcasters, and other people on social media. I say, well, there are a lot of guys still on one way. I mean, one-year deals, basically, I call that a, a professional. Uh, it's like another professional tryout for guys who are already on a guaranteed contract for that season. So if you think about it, you're you're already made the team for the most part, but you have to make the team nearer term if you want to stay in New Jersey. For, for me, it's make or break for those players, and I think a lot of those players – will be even thirstier because the younger guys are going to be up their tails. Sure. So you want the guys like the Nemeches and you want the guys like the uh, Balls, Mikoyeviches, and the Hotuks to push them even better because there's going to be a lot going with the next 82 games. Yeah, I mean, and like Brendan Smith, I know he's on a two-year deal, but it, he's like he get, he's like the perfect example of what you're talking about where – uh, it's like these young guys, he has these young guys on his heels and if he doesn't play well, and I mean, he's obviously a big physical guy and he could, he could throw hands and everything, but if he doesn't play well, 
he's got some young kid who's hungry and wants to make a name for himself and wants to play in the league right on his ass. So, yes. uh, you know, it's like he, he's going to have to step his game up. Like he sets the bar. Like you have to be better than Brendan Smith if you want to play on the Devils and play defense. You know what I mean? So, right. It's like they're, I think they're all going to, they're going to max out. And this is going to be a really interesting, um, you know, two, two weeks, three weeks of camp. It's going to be like a hell is going to be the next two and a half, three weeks of hell week. And it's kind of like reporting for the Marines, except you're reporting for the New Jersey devils. And it's going to be crazy busy because you're going to have Ryan McGill, who's not anywhere close to Elaine Nazarene, which is a good thing because Tom Fitzgerald knows he wants to improve the defensive system. And I started seeing glimpses of that defensive system today uh, showed that they could clean up after a not-so-good game versus Buffalo. And changing the personnel quickly like that, it to me, it speaks uh, high volumes with how they can go from an o- from a not-so-okay game to a far more competitive game. So it, it brings me a lot more comfort. I know it's a prospects challenge, but it just shows you that those guys are – hold them accountable. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like if you if if you don't have it and one game might be one thing, but if you don't have it for a couple games in a row, there's somebody right behind you who uh is is looking for that opportunity who who's not just a kid that you're throwing in there. These are top prospects of ours. So, I'm confident that you could you could really make some maneuver around and get and get crafty with the lineup and still put out a really good solid team and add different, you know, you can add a physical side to it. You could add speed to it. You could add a guy with a a good shot. I mean, there's like, we have a, we have a very, a wide variety of young prospects. And now I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself with the devils, but I did put the devils in the top four on the Metro and my projected rankings. (laughs) I can see them going three or four and being, eight through five in the, in the Eastern conference. I'm just curious, where do you see this team before the season starts? So um, in two of my previous podcasts, what I did was I went through the Metro division and I went through every game, every team in the Metro division would play. And I ended up putting out a record as to what I think, and I actually had the Devils coming in third place. Now, their beginning of the schedule for them is get off to a hot start, and some of these kids can get some confidence, and they could feel what it feels like to win some games and stay healthy and get some goaltending. I truly believe that they could go into February in the top two or three spots in the Metro. Now, once they hit March, they have a gauntlet of games. They play Tampa multiple times. They play Colorado multiple times. They play Florida multiple times. And March would be really tough, but you want them playing tough games down the stretch. You have to be able to be competitive in those games if if your team plans on making the playoffs. Now, another thing is the Washington Capitals are riddled with injuries to start the season. You, and, and they're getting older, you know, and, and Pittsburgh's getting older. 
And then I went through the Atlantic division and Boston's going to have a tough time in the beginning of the season without Brad Marchand. Um, and, um, uh, the kid on the, their, their defenseman on the back end. I'm, I'm, I'm for which, off. for which team? For the Boston Bruins. Uh, let's see. You have, uh, McAvoy. Yeah. Yeah. So Charlie McAvoy is going to be out for until the end of November. Um, and they're getting, they're just getting older too. And I, and I think, I think some spots could open up um, in the Eastern Conference to where if they don't get in by winning one of the top three spots in the Metro, I think they will be in a dogfight for a wild card spot. Yeah, I I will throw this out there. I mean, I put a 32-team Q&A, and I'm just going to do the, the Metro ones. I threw out there, will the Boston offense and their goaltending – uh, be able to help them win a wild card. And I, I'm standing at this point saying no in this time frame because I I wasn't key on their goaltending last year with Swayman and that and not having any good goaltending last year. Um, still better than ours last year at this point, but it's a lot worse without um, anyone proven in that. And looking at their forward core is just they're going with the same old but aging core that's starting to disintegrate and i'm i think they're going to go hard for bedard or fantilli or michkov yeah i mean you know they got jim montgomery that's coming in and that like i said they're going to be dealing with injuries to like cornerstones of their team if they get off to a rough start i mean under a new head coach. And then Don Sweeney has the Pasternak extension looming Thank over you. his head. So <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Like that's a lot for a team to, to bear. Uh, and they are, they're, they're not getting any younger. Um, so I, I was, I didn't have, I have them out. I don't have them making the playoffs. Right. I, I have them in the bottom of near the bottom of the Atlantic and right. I will say this: Buffalo is going to be far better than Boston. I hate to say it, but their prospect pool and their goaltending and their overall near-term assets are just better—not just on paper, but on ice. Um, back to our division, Carolina. I can't see them not winning first or second in the division. Yeah, I have Carolina um, coming in first, and uh... me too. But by, by a wide margin, actually, um, I think getting Brent Burns on the back end and going and getting Max Pacioretty, I mean, these are the type of guys that when you want to make a serious playoff run, you throw them out there and they are just true professionals. They've been in situations before. They are playmakers and they're trying to, to win, win a cup. And, that, and they have such a good young forward group and obviously Slavin on the back end. I think Carolina is is going to win the Metro by by quite a bit. I think they're going to win the Metro by the standings of 110 over 105 over uh, 198. So I think I think it's going to be that kind of com- competitive. It's just like you're almost flipping the cards. At right. that point, right? Because uh, I I have Columbus barely missing the playoffs, 
because they they will get riddled with injuries. They'll fall short on production because they're going to rely too heavily on line A, and um, they're going to rely on – I think Jenner's still there, but they are going to rely more on Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. I mean, Columbus kind of feels like the flavor of the month right now to where they made a big splash in free agency, and they got Johnny Goudreau, who's a great player. But, I mean – I, st- I think there's a lot of holes there still, and they haven't done anything to date. I mean, they always played very hard, especially under Tortorella, but, I mean, I, I don't – they don't stand out to me as uh, – I don't have them making the playoffs either. Yeah, it's just like I look at them, like, not just on paper, but I look at their prospect pool. I'm like, they're building something decent, but they're kind of like Detroit before they were really, really bad and started to get a little bit better. Start to build a competitive team, but they're not there. Um, I have, like I said, I put the Devils at the third spot because I just see, like, you have Vanacek, you have Blackwood, now you got Dawes in that. If Blackwood does do well and Dawes is ready for, like, games in February March, you can rest one of the two goalies because you don't need to push them too much. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of reasons that I had the de- I had the Devils coming in third too, Joe, and mm-hmm. there there's a lot of reasons. I mean, we can score. Uh, you know, scoring's not our problem. It was keeping the puck out of the net, and um, I think I think a lot of pressure is going to be on Mackenzie Blackwood this year to see what he really is. This is a contract year for him. He's going to have Vanacek, who wants to be a starter and prove himself as a starter in the league. And Blackwood obviously had a tough time last year between not getting the COVID shot and kind of being a little bit of a disruption with that. And then he came in and kind of fought with management about whether he should be playing with the injury or not. And he didn't look, he hasn't looked sharp in quite a while. So I think he's going to be put in a position where, you know, this is make it or break it for him as far as being a franchise goalie in the NHL. So I kind of like him in that position. You know, I, he, I feel like he wasn't being pushed enough. I liked when Bernier played in the beginning of the season, I thought he was pretty solid. He could push Blackwood from the crease, but that didn't, you know, he obviously had the hip injury. Um, I'm curious to see, I'm curious to see what our goalies do. It's they're two guys who are, around the same age we're both trying to be a starter in the nhl and they both could be so i I think we're in a win-win situation to be honest with you absolutely um i know this team's in a they should be winning but they're not going to be winning type uh place and we did mention the islanders and as much as i like sorokin and varlamov in net I have a lot of question marks for guys like Parise, Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck, Bailey, Anders Lee, uh, the the older forwards, and some and a few of the defenders are getting middle of twenty nine years old, thirty one and older. It just it's not looking good. Yeah. See, but. There's a couple things that I I agree with you. Like I said, Lou, like you almost look at it and you think, oh, geez, like this is starting to look like this is feeling like the Devils before Lou, you know, parted ways. You know, they're he's bringing in all these vets and everything, and I think he was trying to make a playoff push, and he's going to stick with them this year. What they do have is they're really strong down the middle. 
So they have uh, Brock Nelson. They have uh, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. Mm -hmm. They're strong down the middle. And then they do have Noah Dobson and Romanov and Pelik Mm -hmm. and Pollock on the back end. So they have a couple young – they do have some talent. Um, I personally wouldn't have gotten rid of Barry Trotz as quick as they did. I thought that – I like the way that he coached that team. They went from having the worst defense in the league to the number one defense in the league in a matter of one year or so. Mm. And I and I'm I think Sorokin's the real deal. I think he's gonna have a breakout season. I just think that both goalies will have a Corey Schneider type New Jersey Devils third season where they perform well in that, but they don't get the right numbers reflecting their outcome of their potential. That's where I see it gets wasted. And I see a lot of ownership saying, why are we still keeping Lou here? And I, I have the Islanders above the flyers in my standings. Uh, Philadelphia, perfect segue. I see them moving Konechny and Provarov between February and the 2023 NHL draft. So I really don't see them competing at all. I just see Tor I see Tortorella staying pretty, pretty hot, pretty angry every other game. Yeah. I see I see Tony D'Angelo and Tortorello screaming at each other on the bench over and over. Um the the flyer did you see that Sean Couturier is going to miss possibly the entire season with a herniated disc in his back? I mean I did just see that tweet come out not long ago. Oh, so I mean you lose him and it's like now I'm actually the Flyers are so bad that I actually worry about them getting Connor Bedard. Like they're they're <laughs> hitting a new level of bad that I'm almost not even comfortable with. So it- it it it's funny and it's not funny at the same time. So it's like, you you know you do have the draft lottery. So it's kind of like, you just wait for the, you just wait for draft lottery night to see if they do get the top two. Right. Either way, they're gonna end up getting a top a top pick, and the season's not even over or started. <laughs> it's it's just that awful. But um, things might not be as awful for Pittsburgh, but they're. That window of goodness is starting to close a little bit more and more each season. Like, we're looking at Malkin and Crosby. I mean, look, they're some of the greatest centers and forwards of our past 10, 15 years that we've been watching them against us. But are we going to have Pittsburgh really plays super well. I think they're just going to barely lose out on a playoff spot. Yeah, so I had I had Pittsburgh making the playoffs in one of the wild card spots, but I I obviously agree with you. They're getting a little long in the tooth. You know, to me, they're making another run because they're able to keep Malkin, Crosby, and Latang together. So they're like, you know, it, these guys are legends. Let's just keep them together and see if we could put some pieces around them to, to try to continue to make the postseason. But they signed Latang for six years. He's thirty six years old. Like I don't hmm. understand how that makes any sense. They signed Brian Russ to a contract that I think is like 
eight years or seven years and he's you know is he's over 30 so it's not even like they're trying to make a run for this year or the next two or three seasons they're making commitments to these players that i think is going to really hurt them long term and they're going to be contracts that are going to be really hard to move they're going to have cap space problems and they're not going to have any talent or anybody in their pipeline because i mean um they do a lot of trading they trade a lot of players away and i I just don't see where the talent is going to come from besides their core group of vets yeah the ramifications like like in three years and longer from those next couple seasons, they're it's going gonna... to be ugly. It's going to be so ugly. Like, you know how, like you, you and I referenced like about the Islanders is starting to camper the first two uh, of the three seasons. That's what it's going to start being like. And then it's going to get more like Philadelphia. So it's going to be that bad where, if another really high and quality draft comes in, it's going to benefit them if they finish well in the lottery. But I mean, back to our devils. I mean, we got our uh, rivals across the Hudson in the New York Rangers. Um, I do have questions about Ryder. You know, this is probably one of the last few good seasons he's going to have. Um, is Panarin going to still produce offensively? Will Halak even show signs of life on nights off when uh, Shesterkin is not going to be in net? So I know it sounds stupid, but you got to question it. No, I completely agree with you. I feel like it would be it would be very hard for Shesterkin to put up the kind of season that he had last year. And let's be real, the Rangers relied on him. And, I mean, Tampa relies on Vasilevsky, too. When you have a goalie that's that good, like, I get it. Good goaltending. We know, we know what good goaltending is. But they really, really leaned on Shesterkin last year. And Halak is just – that is a bad backup. So you have to win those games with Shesterkin – I mean, the Rangers have made a couple weird moves to me. Uh, they traded a first-round pick for Andrew Kopp, and then they let him walk in free agency. I thought that was—I thought that was strange. Um, I thought giving the captaincy to Truba was strange after he's been getting a little criticism for his contract being as high as it is. And I figured they would give it to Kreider, being that he's been there the longest and just had the season of his life. And I don't know. That's. Panarin is a is a big question mark to me. I mean, is he is he a guy that is just not built for the playoffs? Like, uh, you know, like once the physical game comes around, he was nowhere to be found. And um, I'm curious to see, you know, if Capo Caco takes another step or, or Lafreniere. Lafreniere takes another step. Like these are pretty, you know, they're calling it the kid line. Like these like these guys are superstars. Like they've been underwhelming for where they were picked. They they certainly in the regular season they've been pretty underwhelming, but it seems like they wait to turn on the next notch in the playoffs. And speaking of the playoffs, I will throw this in there: they should not have let go of Frank Vitrano to Anaheim. Big mistake because he was very good with Mika Zibanejad, 
and Panarin. Yeah, he he was. I mean, that is a playoff player. Like that's exactly what a playoff player is. Now they went out and they got Vinny Trocheck and they signed him to a crazy deal. I mean, I think they signed him to it was seven or eight years, and you know, I I will say this: I'm not trying to be a Homer or anti Ranger personality, but I'm just saying this in the next three and a half, six seasons, those contracts with those core term contracts are going to add up. It's going to hurt them. And if they don't move those pieces sooner, it really is going to come back to bite them. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm just going to say this, like I listened to you on your podcast on YouTube on the trap. Uh, I heard that you're a season ticket holder. Now, please tell me what got you as a season ticket holder to start a podcast. Well, I I named it The Trap after, obviously, the neutral zone trap. I grew up with season tickets as a kid in 1993 through 2000. So I got to watch a lot of good hockey live. I was at a lot of big games and it was something that me and my family, my dad, my brother kept us all together. We, sh- it was like something that we shared together. We're big giants fans too. Oh, and, that's awesome. Because yeah. Been winning. Yeah. Yeah. And we, yeah, two and oh, geez, I can't even remember the last time the giants went two and oh, but, um, so my, it was actually my dad who suggested it. He's like, yeah, why don't you, he's like, you love talking about hockey. You should, you should get up there and start talking. So I was like, all right. So I've had season tickets. I, I ended up getting them for myself and I got kids and my family. And um, we started going to the full season two years ago. And there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, it's the first time. I mean, at, we talk about our prospects and our pipeline there was a long time where there was like no hope and it wasn't looking good. We had zero depth. I mean, how many players do we have that were on our starting in our starting lineup that don't even play in the NHL anymore? I mean, um, so, you know, they got Nico and then they flipped Hall and then they got Jack and it's, you know, you're like, all right, these are, these are people that we're going to be able to build around. So I just have always loved hockey. I mean, I can watch any game and, I don't know. I figured it would be something, a good release, and I could create some content and see if anybody enjoyed it. I absolutely enjoy listening to your four episodes. And I mean, uh, you also had Neil Villapiano uh, with his podcast. Yeah. And he brought up some good points where, you know, it's good to have uh, more New Jersey Devils voices and, you know, more ideas thrown out there. And, you know, back in the 90s, early 2000s, we didn't have people uh, like representing uh, New Jersey all that much unless the team was doing well enough to be spoken of. And now we have such a, uh, a independent media of some sort that we're growing a fan base, a culture, and a team, and a brand. Yeah, no, I mean... No, 100%. I mean, if podcasting was available and you could buy a microphone and you could set up a podcast in your house when I was, you know, 15 years old or 14 years old and my brother, I'm sure we would have done it. And like you said, like New Jersey is not exactly the media hub of the planet. And we, you know, we have to deal with the Rangers across the way and we kind of live in their shadow a little bit. But um, 
it, the more people talking about the team and like, we're on the verge of something really cool here. This is, I felt like this is a good time to maybe just get in and just be a part of something and get the excitement going. And the more um, content that fans want to listen to, then sure. If people don't want to listen to it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So it's really cool that you get to hear everybody's thoughts because everybody does kind of have different thoughts and different lineup suggestions and, you know, should we get rid of the coach or should we do this? So, um, yeah, I'm, I like listening to, I've been listening to everybody else's podcast for years. So I said, all right, let me give it a shot. I've never done this before, but it, it can't hurt. Yeah. I, well, I kind of started doing this podcast on YouTube first and I was just doing it as like a, it's just me throwing things out there and expressing my feelings about different moves, trades, uh world juniors stuff like that um for me when it came to learning about the world juniors i obviously um i always liked following what the youth could do and it was always exciting to see how the international tournament has grown and you've seen some devils players over the years not just the luke hughes and the jack hughes but you know seeing a country like switzerland with uh Nico Heesher, you have Jonas Siegenthaler, who also was on that team, um, helped captain that. Uh, it was a fairly run uh, tournament to see a small country like Switzerland and me last year seeing Slovakia do well with Slavkovsky and Nemec. Uh, this year you have Delibor Dvorsky, uh, who is a sniper, you know, it's it's his turn this year for an emerging power in Slovakia to eventually take the reins of uh, European hockey power again. Yeah, I am a, I'm a huge World Juniors fan. I, I love watching the kids play. I mean, look at what Germany's done in the past couple of years with, you know, Stutzla and Dreisaitl and uh, Mo Sider. I mean... Germany wasn't really a, a thing as far as where being drafted in the first round and you, you get that. And then it, I think it, you know, it adds a lot of Slovakia is going to get a lot of attention this year, having the first and second overall picks taken from there for the first time. And you're going to get a lot of kids and a lot of publicity and a lot of hype around it. And it should just, you know, it should only help create a hotbed of hockey in Slovakia. So it's exciting. The more countries that are involved, the better. I will say this. I've been to Slovakia myself, and I usually go on bike and barge tours. And I remember on the highway, I was biking, and I saw a bus with a hockey helmet, you know, like a commercial. And I'm like, this advertiser shows me just how passionate this country is about their Slovak hockey and their, their pro league. And I'm like, if they did this somewhere in the USA or Canada – this would be like re like really interesting just to advertise that on public transport or something like that. Yeah. Because that's great. It, it shows you how involved people are. Um, I honestly, like I really, I really come to enjoy seeing, you know, these uh, foreign born players coming over and, you know, we see, the powerhouses even produce guys like a Jesper Bratt, and we've seen how important these guys are. Yeah, I mean, even even the complete opposite end, 
is when you die, like, I remember as a kid, Jim Dowd <laughs> made the Devils and was playing in the Stanley Cup and was, like, from Brick, New Jersey, and we were at the rink, and, like, Jim Dowd would be hanging out. Meanwhile, the guy's playing in the Stanley Cup, and it it just gives kids a, a feeling of, wow, I could really do this if I, you know, if things break the right way for me and I work hard and I think it's going to do the same thing for kids overseas. Yes. And I actually met Jim Dowd before a couple times. I met him before at bar a, um, during a doubles flyers watch party. It was a doubles watch party. And I remember he talked to so many doubles fans that he ended up, uh, finishing his chicken dinner, but he didn't pay his bill, but someone else did. And it nice. wasn't me. Because... Yeah, I, he he used to be around all the time. We would see him. We would see him at the rink, at the the ice rink in Brick, and uh, he was super cool. He used to run. Um, he used to run like clinics and camps in the summer for the kids too. And he would be out there with everybody, teaching them skating drills and passing drills and everything. He was he was really involved in the hockey community from where he came up. I mean, I will say this. You know, we talk about. Uh, Jim Dowd, you know, growing the central New Jersey circuit. I mean, we've seen Trevor Van Riemsdyk hoist the Stanley Cup in his first, like, season or something, his first whack at the can uh, versus his brother James Van Riemsdyk fell short of it. So I was there for Trevor's Stanley Cup party and uh, – I think it was 2013 with the Blackhawks, if I remember perfectly. So that's awesome. I I was there, and it was great to see, you know, the whole entire community in Middletown. And he was there uh, at Brick the same day uh, with his yep. with his uh, youth team. Yeah, they got his jersey hanging up in there, and I, I knew he used to play. Yeah, he played in Middletown, and. Um, yeah, that's it's just it's cool to see. I mean, like, um, anytime you see young players that are local guys, you're rooting for. Right now, I mean, I know you live kind of close to me. I, I, I'm in, I'm by Asbury Park, and me too. Like, and we have like Kenny Pickett that just got drafted as the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a local kid, and you see him around, and he's, you know, all the kids are taking pictures with him, and he seems like a nice guy. And it's like, how could you not root for that? Yeah, I mean, well, even though I'm a Giants fan for football, I have family out in Pittsburgh area that are Steelers fans, and I have respect for Pittsburgh because my my mother's father's from that area, and I have a soft spot for Pittsburgh because of that. And for me, Kenny Pickett and that go together perfectly. It's just like a Permani Brothers sandwich. <laughs> yeah, and and the and the Giants and the the Maras and the Roonies uh, and the, the owners of Pittsburgh have a uh, they're related. Oh, really? Yeah, that's it. It's just funny how people are that sort of are so close knit together. I know the Devils have some sort of tie to uh, Pittsburgh. I think it's Harris or Blitzer has a minor stake in the Steelers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're right. Yep, because David Tepper had to sell his his percentage to acquire the majority share of the Carolina Panthers that the Giants beat, mind you. <laughs> yeah, it was ugly, but we won. 
an ugly win is a good win. I I will say this. It's it's like when you watch a really good close hockey game. I'd rather see a really good nail biter versus than just watching a bunch of barn burners. Nothing against yeah. the barn burners, but like it's good to see goalies aware and it's good to see defensemen aware. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I'm I'm you know in both football and in hockey. I mean, you know what's funny is uh, and and I named the the podcast the trap and people always assume that the neutral zone trap was so boring and it was so bad for hockey and the Devils never scored any goals. The Devils were always in the top quarter of the league in goals scored. It was it was just all counter. It was all they you know they would counter punch, but and like so the other team didn't score, but the Devils always scored. So it was you know. I don't understand. The Devils get a bad rep for being just a defensive team in the 90s when that's not the truth. No, the Islanders applied it before. The Rangers applied it before in the playoffs. And guess what? You know, if I remember perfectly, Larry Robinson and Jacques Lemaire used that system perfectly when they were part of Montreal. And it's just like the system stemmed perfectly to New Jersey and 95 through 2003 and then teams are like oh let's copy and paste what the devils did during that time frame and now they want a piece of what we did and it's only getting uh back into vogue may i use that french phrase so it's it's really something that just people want to use more yeah i mean the NHL wants there to be scoring the same way that the NFL wants, you know, they want high scores. They, they think scoring <laughs> is excitement. And so, and that's why, I mean, look at the speed in the game today compared to what it was back then and the clutching and the grabbing. You ever watch a game from the nineties now and you're like, Oh my God, the amount of hooking and, you know, slashing that goes on is insane. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there would be so many penalties called now, but it does open up the door for some of these younger players who are just skilled. I mean, there is a lot of skill. But like I said, like with a guy like Nikita Ohutuk, you need you need physicality and you need to be built for the playoffs too. And we know how once the playoffs roll around, the game gets a little heavier. And if you don't have those role players and guys that can forecheck and guys that finish their checks, you're, you're not going to win. No, it's... You see, that's one of the reasons why when the Devils acquired Kevin Ball in that Taylor Hall trade, I was really excited for it because I said, imagine we use this kid when we get to the playoffs. And then when we got Ohochuk in another trade, um, I was like, this kid could be something like we had in Anton Volchenkov, you know, back in, what, 2012, something like that, yep. or a little after that. He was something that was able to block shots, jump in the jump in the middle of the net and play like a goaltender. And you know, we need we need those uh critical pieces to help, you know, fortify because you never know how long Siegenthaler is gonna be here um after guys like Graves or let's say Severson. Because I know Severs is not going to be here that long. That contract is coming right up. Yeah, well, they got Siegenthaler for another five years. Um, he He's like one of my favorite players because of his consistency. 
Um, but in one of my previous podcasts, the first one I, I did actually, I just talked about, about being tough. The problem, the devils have been too easy to play against the open ice away from the puck and they don't play. They didn't, they weren't playing well away from the puck, but they, they just teams took advantage of them because they weren't tough to play against. And Ohutuk He's the kind of guy that'll clear the front of the net after the whistle or make somebody pay or get dirty. And we need a little of that. Um, I obviously Siegenthaler plays a a pretty heavy game. He's a big dude. He's not really going for open ice hits or anything, but it's like you do, you need, you need some of these bigger guys who aren't scared to use their body. That's one of the things that I think got under people's skin about Pavel Zaka for a long time was that he he was a big kid, but he just, you know, he wasn't physical. He didn't use his body to his advantage. You see a lot of players like that, that in the draft, everybody's talking about size all the time. But realistically, I mean, it's not the, you know, it's, it's the, it's not always about how big you are, you know, it's about the way you play the game. And I'd much rather a guy that's the size of Braden point or Brad Marchant has the heart that they have over a guy that's six foot four and 220 pounds like Pablo Zaka. Yeah. I was going to say, I was just going to say like, it's one thing you have a muscle and size, but if you don't have the smarts nor the physicality or the spirit of the player, why are you drafting them? Yes. It's one of the things I always look for when it comes to uh, you have the world juniors and then you go a little closer to uh, before the draft lottery. I like to start building my draft rankings because um, now I write for inside of the puck, but I wrote for other blogs before that. And I've, I've always come up with like, I like this guy because he has this amount of snarl. He has this amount of, energy anticipation uh stuff like that and it's not just like skill if you're just skill then what are you outside of it yeah i'm a big i'm a big uh you know they they say hockey iq or i'm a big cerebral player i'd rather a guy that can he can see the game i think that's kind of what happened with you know obviously the kids coming over from europe they're playing on a smaller ice surface but a guy like Alex Holtz, I think like he just wasn't seeing the game correctly. Um, the first couple goes of it that they gave him in the NHL. And it's something that it takes people a while to learn. But then you see some other kids that come in and they're just, and I think the the kid that sticks out for me the most is Nemitz. He is a smart, smart kid. He knows what he's doing. And what it does is the game slows down a little bit for him. And he's able to use that patient the patience to allow the play to develop and then get the pucks to the, to the right people. So I think having Nemitz on the back end and obviously Luke Hughes looks like he's a pretty smart player as well, but it's going to make a big difference for the Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer's and Jesper Bratz because he understands the flow of the game and those guys play at a very high level and he's going to be able to anticipate where they're going to be on the ice. So I'm, I think it's going to, the two of them are going to parlay each other, to be honest with you. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, when I'm not sure if you watched Locked on Devils, but when, before the Devils uh, did the draft, I said a few months before when the Devils won the second overall pick, 
I said, don't be surprised if the Devils go after a guy like Chimon Nemec uh, because of his smarts, his skating, uh, the fact that he played in uh, the Slovak Pro League for X amount of years. And I looked at not only his skill and his smarts and his play style, but the analytics backed it up similarly to uh, Kale McCarr. And I'm trying to say he's going to be that, but he had the underlying numbers of a top five pick, uh, top five defenseman for me. And just seeing what he had and having to listen to him in an interview, I was like, he is in my top two easily. I know um, people were like, oh, Shane Wright's the guy. Yes, but how are you supposed to fit so many centers? Right. And would that even make anyone happy if you draft another center? Or how would you do with Cutter Gautier or Logan Cooley? And I was like, you could always draft another center, another winger later in the rounds. But to me, a defenseman on the right-handed side made too much sense to pass up on. And I just said, this is the guy that's going to make the New Jersey Devils great again. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I agree with you. There were a lot of question marks as to where they could go with it. Um, the way I looked at it is he, he was playing professionally at 15 years old, and he's already 6'1", 200 pounds, right shot defenseman, which is arguably the hardest position in the game to get. And, you know, when you're that smart, it sometimes you get a little overlooked because you're not at a position very often. So you're not really like, you don't look like you're exerting yourself as much. It's like watching when we used to watch Scott Niedemeyer, he was always in position and he skated. So he, he had such a, a beautiful stride that it always looked like he wasn't trying or he wasn't breaking a, a sweat. And you see, you see Nemitz and I, I do, I kind of think that if you ever wanted anybody like a Logan Cooley, or you can trade a number two overall pick right-handed defenseman that could skate that way for any position that you want. So I thought that that was a smart pick. Yeah, absolutely. Like there are certain positions and players you could draft in any other draft or trade for down the road. But to me, it just made far too much sense night and day apples and oranges. Uh, for me, I would say, why why would you want to pass over a really good pork roll, egg, and cheese? Meanwhile, just going for you know a tuna fish salad. <laughs> it's because you know you could get a tuna fish salad any day, but getting a pork roll, egg, and cheese, you can you you can get anytime you're in New Jersey. Yeah, only in Jersey, baby. Ex that's exactly where I'm going with. And I mean, you know, were were you at all at or around the Stone Pony Summer Stage for the draft. Yeah, I was there. I was there too. It, it was fun. Oh my god i I think it should be a year to year tradition, regardless of where they in the standings. It was cool. You know, you know what was so cool there was Dougie Hamilton was such a team player and such a cool guy. He literally took pictures with every single kid or everybody that wanted a picture with him and. We we actually me and my wife ran into him out in front, and my wife was like, "Oh, what'd you think of the draft? What'd you think of the pick?" And he was just like, 
I have no idea who that is. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> but, um, but he was such a nice guy and he had a big smile on his face the whole time. And he gave everybody uh, a lot of time. And it looks like he's like kind of embraced New Jersey this off season by, you know, they had the, the schedule video with him in it and you see him, you know, he was one of the only guys that made the appearance at the draft. Um, and then he's done some stuff for like, boxing promotions at the rock and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see Dougie in a full year, healthy, see what he could do. For me, I think if he stays healthy, he gets at least 38 points to 55 points uh, between that range. Because I know with his long reach, like if he can do similar to what he did in the first couple games of last year, he has potential to get back into being a, top 25 top 45 nhl player and it doesn't have to be that way but he just needs to be a really solid veteran that shines a light for guys like the john marinos and the nemeches of the of the devils and i know riley walsh is gonna start learning to be a little bit more responsible with the puck but the way he shoots it is very promising yeah, one of the one of the if Dougie could only play the way that he did in the first twenty seconds of the season last year, we will be great. Um, but uh, he obviously came out on opening night and scored a goal like twenty seconds into the game. But he his what impresses me most about him is he finds shooting lanes. The guy always can get the puck through to the net. Like they're not big slap shots or anything. He has little subtle moves. He's obviously got a, a long reach, and I think he uses it to his advantage in little subtle moves, and he's able to get the puck through. I mean, last year he played with the broken jaw, and then, I mean, our power play was obviously god-awful, and then he wasn't even quarterbacking the first power play towards the end of the year. So I think, um, you know, bringing Andrew Burnett in, them having a new power play, getting him on the power play one where he belongs, getting him healthy. I have no reason to think that he's not going to bounce back and have a strong year. I will say this about Burnett that I know it sounds a little too early at this point, but you got to think about the succession plan. You got to think about uh, Lindy Ruff moving into a different role in the organization because a guy like Ruff doesn't come very often. But having a guy like Burnett, who's a lot younger, a lot fresher, more updated, he's a Jack Adams candidate. And I see him becoming the head coach in the near term because Ruff has one year left. And I think it was a very bold move, probably the most underrated move that Tom Fitzgerald has ever made in his career. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm thrilled with the move. You know, um, Burnett says he wants to learn more from Lindy Ruff, and you're right. He's young. He could be the next coach of the Devils for the next, you know, 10 years for this. If we go on a huge run with all these kids that we have coming up and everything starts to gel together, he could be, you know, he could be the next big guy that we're, we're talking about as a, as a, you know, legendary Devil coach. So, um, yeah, of course. Of course I'm excited about him. He – it's going to be good for the kids to come up with him too, because he's going to have a chip on his shoulder after the way that he was treated last year in Florida. And I mean, I, he's going to come out with something to prove just like the team is. 
And Florida did the same good old stuff to Gallant, just like just like what happened in Vegas. And you know, having a chip on your shoulder shows that you know when you have that kind of style, you really want to prove your old boss is wrong. And I can see that happening. I will say this: I mean, the Devils have a lot of their ducks aligned up in the pond, and it's only a matter of time before uh, the team starts flocking for success and i know they can start smelling it pretty soon because there's nothing more like the way they're building this system in new jersey and also we got to bring up sergey breland it wouldn't be the same without breland right now because chris taylor's officially on the bench yeah i mean sergey breland um i touched on him in one of my my things too he is just a guy that is going to keep these guys accountable. And he has no problem telling a Jack Hughes or a Nico Heischer, you know, you're not working hard enough or whatever. I mean, Sergey Breland was one of the hardest working players you'll ever see. And he is a guy who was undersized, but would go into the dirtiest parts of the ice or go and take a huge hit to make a play, to chip a puck out of the zone, to move the puck up ice, block a shot. He would do, he would, he put his body where his mouth was and he's going to, he's going to call out players. If you've ever heard of the way that he practices and what he does to his players in practice, he's going to keep his players accountable. And he, I think it's about time that, the players on the Devils are help, you know, have that responsibility, and people aren't scared to call him out. And I think he's going to be that guy. I really do. So uh, I'm excited to I'm excited to see what he brings. He's going to bring a little edge to the team. So the Devils will have their version of the keep on chopping attitude. Meanwhile, it's going to be the raising hell uh, hashtag. And I really think the way um, Breland was brought up in the uh, Soviet hockey red army uh system you have that attitude and mindset in new jersey for the whole entire farm system this really that culture of being held accountable and those players knowing who he is they're going to know that they know his tendencies but they know who to respect 24 7 yeah no no one's no one's tripping back at him he's He's a scary dude. Um, <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Um, so I, I'm I'm pretty pumped. How long do you How long do you see rough behind the bench for? If you had to guess, I mean, even like a month. Like, are you giving it like, you know, if they get off to a slow start or a 500 start, or what are you thinking? I'm giving him seven games minimum. Right. Because you never know if you go seven and zero or you go. 0 oh, and 7 or 3 3 1. You just, you don't know unless you lose a locker room. Yeah. Well, did you see the uh, article that, was, or I guess it was a, an interview on 32 Thoughts, and, um, and Jack was saying how, you know, they let Lindy Ruff down this year and he was planned on coming back and Lindy Ruff has all his players backs and they're going to play for him. And that was, that was really cool to see. He also mentioned that Nico Heischer was the heart and soul of the team. Mm. And, and um, 
it was cool to it was cool to hear some of, some of that support from Jack, being that he was the one that came out and said that he wanted Lindy Ruff to be back this year, um, when obviously there were a lot of good coaching candidates on the board, and people were thinking in the off season that we should have made a move, and uh, and we didn't, and that a lot of it, a lot of people, you know, suspected that it was because Hughes had that to say about Ruff publicly. So, well, I will say this: if people are upset about that you 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 gotta then say hey jack or nico why did you side with you know lindy because a they they see something in him and b they feel that system of his does more justice for their offensive style of hockey and you know uh back to brunette brunette mentioned that he grew up or followed a lot of what Ruff has done. And he does a similar style, but a little bit more modernized. And I think we're, I would, I would say this, if they just leave Jack with Igor Sharangovich together for the whole season, I can see Sharangovich getting 35 goals. Yeah. I mean, he obviously loves to shoot the puck and he has a really heavy shot. Um, the thing I wonder about with Sharon Govich is he scared me the first 20 games of last year. He was obviously not productive at all, but more, more importantly, I, I thought his game away from the puck was not as what wasn't as good as the previous year. And obviously the, the year prior, he was just trying to break in the league. He was trying to earn himself a roster spot and when he got off to such a slow, uh, slow start production-wise, I, I was okay with it if he was playing a really good two-way game or he was getting some good looks and just couldn't finish. But he scared me. Now, what I wonder is, are you gonna, you know, is Holtz gonna make the team this year? I think yes, because he looks pretty determined. I mean, I looked at that first game that they had, and. I know he missed the first couple shots, but I will say this, getting that fourth try, that really helped him build his confidence on the first goal. And then after they got into overtime, he was absolutely on beast mode. And there was nothing like seeing him get that second goal. He was possessed. He really, He literally was possessed. And another thing is he was playing physical. He had a couple of big hits and you're like, okay, like, you know, you're more than just, you have to be more than just your shot. Now, if he does make the team, I would prefer to see him on a wing in the top six. Um, and then if that's the case, it's like, do you put him, is he going to be better than, does he have a better shot than Sharon Govich? It's like, they both have our, you know, that's their game is their shot. And it's like, I'm, I'm curious to, I'm curious to see what they look like in camp and then who they start pairing who with, because I don't want to see him get buried in the lineup and, and I want to give him the best opportunity to succeed. I will say this, that, that one timer that Holtz has reminds me a shit ton of Ilya Kovalchuk and I don't say that very liberally. Right. I say that very conservatively because 
seeing a guy with that kind of confidence, with that power and accuracy and precision, it doesn't come very often. And that kind of passing with him and Nemec, if that is what we're going to see every other game, sign me up for not just 82 games, add me on for another 108 games. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to watch. They were just giving it back and forth to each other over and over, and then it would be right in his wheelhouse, and he would just let a blast fly. I mean, he does have a bomb. I meant, I think I meant ninety-eight games or something like that because of the. If that's the if it, that's what it takes to win the Stanley Cup, sign me up. Yeah, no, I got you. He he has a really good personality. I think he is mentally tough. He lets things roll off his back. He was determined. He came into camp looking, uh, you know, he was slimmer and he said he, he was working hard. He was obviously training with Jesper and Philip Bratt. And I, I'm, you know, he was working on his skating. That's his thing. It's like he has, he, he's not the best skater. Or he's, he was slow. People were saying, but I don't know. He looked pretty good to me. He, he has been training with Jesper Bratt skating coach the past two summers now and it's starting to pay off a lot and you know he looks more fluid when i was there watching him versus florida the first game they played against florida when he got called up he looked he looked confident with the puck on his stick taking a few shots but defensively he had some flaws but i knew he had potential i knew it was only a matter of time when you know, the farm team starts tapping into his potential. And then it was the offseason that really propels him forward. And if I was a betting man, I say he makes it past the nine games. Yeah, I would agree with you. That that's where that's where I feel safe if I if I was a better, but I'm not. <laughs> it's just um something that I just believe in a certain player like that. Um if Utica has some of these guys from the pre the preseason uh, prospect camp. Peron is definitely going to make that team for Utica and makes and makes it up in New Jersey in the middle of the season. What do you, what do you have now, Miles Wood? I have him bottom six. Left is he wing. is he healthy though? Is he skating? I'm not sure what his health is, but so I read an article from Mike Morial, who's one of my favorites and obviously on the inside, and he doesn't have Miles Wood in his lineup because he was saying that he hasn't been skating yet. And I know he was dealing with a hip and I mean, a hip is a scary injury for a hockey player. I wonder if he's going to be ready to go. Yeah, it's. Hip injuries are the worst injuries, whether you're a hockey player or not. It's just, right. it's not good. And I re- I really think over time, it's going to be a matter of when he does get into the lineup. But the Devils, like I said, they have so many guys that can get a call up. And could Nolan Foot be a, a short-term fix for him? Maybe. Um, but you have so many other options. You got 
Fabian Zetterlin, who could be a bottom six to top nine player with his style of play. Yeah, I love Zetterlin. I mean, to me, you we traded Zaka for Halla, but to me, if Zetterlin scores 13 goals this year, it's to, he's he's like that's exactly what Pavel Zaka would have scored, but he has a bigger motor. He forechecks harder. He plays more physical. He's harder to play against. So I'm I'm on the Fabian Zetterlin bandwagon. I don't have him scoring 25 goals or something like that. Some of the, that I'm hearing out here, but I think he was a top prospect of ours for a long time, and it's finally starting to come to fruition. Um, he's huge. You ever see how jack that guy is? He's five foot eleven with what, like 211, 225 pounds. He's huge. And I know someone on Facebook last year said, Oh, he's a small guy. I said, dude, he's a freaking squash. He's five foot eleven with more more body mass index and than any one of us. He he could he could be playing uh running back. For the Giants or the Jets. Yeah, no, for real. And then that's why it's like you get him driving to the net and he has a great shot too. He can let it rip. And he and he played some really nitty-gritty moments last year yep. uh, near the end. Yeah, and... that's what I'm saying. He has a little more fire. He's got a motor in him. He can get nasty and he's got that size to where I, I like what I see out of him. I, I hope he makes the opening night roster. I think he has a really good shot. I mean, you you add the preseason games. We're we're, we're going to see who who is hungry to get the opening night roster. Now, like we said about the other teams in our division, you know, it's going to be something to see that you have so many pieces to play with, and you don't need to trade a bunch to get something really good near term, but you got plenty of guys to keep and utilize. Um, I know Victor Herdig will be in Michigan state um, and he's going to be coming up in a few years uh, after that. And I, I can't wait to see him or Casey McCarthy down the road. I mean, Ethan Edwards and Luke Hughes, and you got Muhammad Doolin, and that's going to be pretty interesting going forward. Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, Muhammad Doolin is a he is a, a real variable to me. I don't know what to think of him. I mean, he can he skates really nice. He has a really good first pass. He has a great outlet pass. He has to put some size on. I mean, he's huge, but he needs to fill out a little bit. It was kind of that he ended up going back to Russia. I was hoping he was going to stay over here and play in Utica. You know, I think uh, I think it might have to do with family and the uh, the consequences of his passport. Yeah, possibly you could be right. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I'm excited for uh, Seamus Casey. He's a guy that I'd like to I'd like to see. I mean. Um, everything that I've seen on him and read about him, nothing but high praises. Uh, he he uh, was highly ranked on Will Scouch. Yeah, Will Scouch loved him, and uh, and 
yeah, he looks like he could be something. He could be something to work with for sure. Um, uh, one of the guys we drafted last year, Samu. Uh, Samu Salmanen. Yeah, Salmanen. He, he, I like him too. He, he's well. I looked at his build. Reminds me of Capo Caco. Uh, to me, he looks more like a playmaking power forward who can shoot the puck a little bit more, and. For him in like around the third round, m- mid rounds, he looks like a very good value player. Um, by the way, they did screw up the. Uh, it was Chico and Matt Laughlin calling the game, and they confused. Uh, what's his name? They confused Stallman in for another Devils prospect uh, in the college ranks. Okay. For Topias Vilen. And I'm like, hold a sec. Because Salmanen was supposed to go to Denver University, but his transcripts weren't exactly up to Denver's. But Connecticut's was up to those standards. Right. So I was like, now now it makes sense because Alex Chavancy of the hockey writers brought that up. I was like, I seconded him because I I knew those fat I know those facts were messed up. Good catch, Joe. Yeah, and so <laughs> Alex Chavez, he called it called the, the two guys out first, but um, I, I did, like I, I like Alex's stuff too. He puts out really good content. Known him for several years now. Um, he got me more into the analytics side. Um, I use a little bit more for the prospects. Just trying to find diamonds, honestly. I know I got a little nerdy from uh, from Moneyball, <laughs> so I I kind of got intrigued ever since that movie came out, and I read the book in high school. So it's like being a hockey guy, and you have MoneyPuck.com. It just made me uh, nerd out even more. So it's like having some other people kind of push you in that direction. Plus, I love prospects, so it's like this is oh, it's this... it's a it's a dark deep hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as dark as you think, but it's <laughs> it, it's it's a fun hole to get into. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's... it's so funny. My like, my wife will like come in, and I'll be like sitting there watching like a prospect game in like Sweden. And, like the announcers will be talking Swedish, and she'll be like, "What the hell are you watching?" And I'm just like, "Oh, don't worry about it. Just." Some sixteen-year-old that I have my eye on playing over in Sweden, or a seventeen or a seventeen-year-old prospect that's future's going to be in New Jersey, and you're going to be like, "Babe, we're going to get his jersey." <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. So, um, what? One more thing. What do you think about? What do you think they do with Jesper Bratt? I think the way Bratt plays, he's going to if. If things go right, he's definitely going to get an eight-year deal. I can see an eight-year deal, at least eight million dollars easily. Because yeah, if he plays the same way he did last year, I mean, I'd be okay with that. Because I know I was being a little, uh, I was being a little too liberal on Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. I said they should give him at least four years just to lock him up 
And he goes, no, 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 that's a little too soon, man. That's a little too soon. Got to throw him one or three. And then a buddy of mine who has a little bit more insight uh, behind the devils goes, you might want to do a bridge deal. I said, okay, but I'm willing to pay in the big bucks. So, yeah, I mean, some of the reports I heard were were super high, though, like ten million. I think nine, nine I and think, a half. I think he's going to hit that. Honestly, eight million is going to be the floor. Ten Plus, million like, is a lot. I mean, the cap's going to go up in like a couple years, right? So it's not going to be as burdensome as you think. Like in today's dollars, yes. I know we talk about inflation in in personal life, but sports, uh, it's going to sound like a value deal for the owners down the road. Are you going to pay him more money than you're going to pay Dracusa? Well, that's the problem. You're 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 going to have to give him bonus money. Right. It's probably it's probably going to be mostly in like if we take a look at some of the other players. Uh, you're going to look at the way Palat was. I know Palat's a completely different animal, but if you divide up some of the salary into performance bonuses, I can see Brad easily getting those bonuses because, right. because of the way he plays. So it's almost a guarantee at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with him. I mean, it's been a rough go of negotiating the past two contracts and I hope they get something worked out. Um, and he, you said a rough go. Was that a pun intended? No, no, that's just, no, I'm not that clever to be honest with you, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have the one. <laughs> I, I, I hope, I, I hope they're able to figure something out. I think, I think they will try and get something done a lot sooner because they know what Brat's agent can pull, try and get you to do like a William Nylander type deal. It's just going to be like just a matter of time. Right. But uh, I want to ask you this. I mean, I know we hit the near 82 minute mark. With the, with the next upcoming episode, what, what are you planning on doing for this season? Do you have any people lined up for from other teams and podcasts like other podcasters of different teams no i don't i'd uh i actually so i started the podcast it was just me basically talking to myself like uh mike francesa like a crazy person in my basement so um <laughs> but with that said, um, I'm getting like, a, like I said, I've never done a podcast before. So it's, it's, I'm just kind of working out the kinks. I'm getting a little more comfortable and that's something that I want to look, f- I'm going to end up, you know, there, I started it in like the worst time too. There's like nothing going on, uh, in August, but with that said, I'm looking to talk about, I figured I would start with the Devils and I could at least like back out and talk about the NHL overall or just the Metro division or the Eastern conference. Um, because once they start playing games, there's so many storylines that are going on and injuries and this and that. So um, I'm just going to kind of play it by ear, to be honest with you. I haven't really 
I don't overthink it. I just am going to come on. And what I did was, I mean, for some of the stuff I, I went through and I just looked at all the numbers and then I just basically gave my thoughts and then I compared the numbers to support what I was, you know, trying to get at with it. But moving forward, I've obviously talked to the devil's podcast community via Twitter and everyone has been super friendly and everybody seems to support one another. And, uh, I've even talked to some people on some other teams podcast and just even I listen to other teams just to like get an idea as to what works for them when they're, when they're talking or how they approach, you know, trying to make it interesting. And I'm going to just going to play it by ear. I'm probably going to have some like people who even aren't hockey podcast people on and just get their take too, just to make it like a little more for a common person who might not know all the depth players or all the analytics and, and stuff like that. So you can kind of get a, a different view of it, almost like more of like entertainment than, than serious numbers. But for right now, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of winging it to be honest with you. And mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to camp because I think like we have more storylines this year in camp than we've ever had. And we got a couple preseason games lined up that we're going to be at. I'm going to go with my old man and we're going to check them out. And we're just going to, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to tell you what I think. And, you know, if people like it, then great. And if not, it's like, it's no worries. We're just, uh, I'm just happy to kind of be part of a community as it's starting to really bud. And I will say this, you got me and Neil Villapiano all in Monmouth County. We're all within what, like, a couple like train stops of each other. So it's like, yeah, yeah man, we got to get together for beers and watch a game or something. One of these days. That's what I said. I said, we're going to have to have a devil's podcast, uh, you know, game together, like a little mini watch party. Yeah. Like, like a devil's podcast Palooza kind of thing where it's just all the devil's podcasters just talking over each other at the same time. <laughs> I know Neil will bunch and i know he's a really great guy i've known him for several years uh talk to him every other day um i do talk to trey matthews although he's now out in arizona state calling the the women's hockey out there but he's definitely another personality i talk to because he's on locked on devils and he's always in sync too so it's like i always look to do more devil's podcast stra- extravaganzas so um if you ever see me at a before a devil's game devil's home game i'm usually at um what's that place uh that red those two red uh, well that's where i go for beer before but uh i go to taj lounge uh when sam has the uh, the game day Let's go Devils podcast. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, I got you. Yep, I've done a few of those before last year. So, oh yeah, well, I mean, I'm obviously I'm at like pretty much all the home games as many as I can make. Um, so I'm sure I'm gonna meet a bunch of people that you know I never actually went out of my way to meet any of the people on the podcast here because I mean how you know. So this is gonna be my first year doing it, and um, yeah, if I. I I'm looking forward to meeting everybody in person and talking devils. And hopefully, I mean, I got a feeling that this is going to be an exciting year. You know, Vegas has us at like 90 points between 88 Ooh. and 90 points. 
You and know what? They know what I, they're talking about. They they do know what they're talking about. It's just a matter of time we add more points above it. It's just not to get cocky. It's just I I feel I feel very good. And with COVID being less of a thing, I don't think it's going to be as bad. Maybe a few injuries here and there, but with a younger team, you, I don't feel as negative. Yeah, I mean, I would like to think that setting the line that high in Vegas and being such a small market and having such a horrible history for the past you know, decade that they're expecting people to play the under. So, you know, so if, I mean, if you end up with 95 points, you win two, you know, two or three or four more games than what Vegas has uh, the expected total to be, you're talking about making the playoffs. I, I, I will say this, like, I usually start like before every season, I look at, you take the amount of games, you times it times two, and then you, then you try and say, okay, we need to win this other than that we're stuck at this and that number and we just hope to see what our odds are because money puck usually does a great job of logging that in so yeah i mean i'm wondering uh what do you have us at for points if you had to for, guess for points i i would say 98 95 yeah that's i mean i have us at like 96 points pretty much so we're with that being said, I think we hit on a lot of things. And I know that with we covered so much within a 90-minute radius, it's going to be interesting for everyone to hear. And uh, please tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, so you can find me at thetrappodcast.com. And then you could find me on Spotify and YouTube. It's called The Trap New Jersey Devils Podcast. Um, and I'm going to release something probably once or twice a week moving forward. And I appreciate you uh, having me on, Joe. Hey, anytime. I, I've been looking to try and get back into another episode. And it's just a beautiful summer evening. I mean, fall and summer together. So with that being said, you're welcome anytime. And let's go Devils. And Hockey Miss is almost here. I know. One week from tonight, first Devils preseason game. Thank the heavens that we're, <laughs> we're having it here. But holy hell, I say this before we always hang up the phone. One, two, three. Let's go Devils. All right, man. All right. Peace. Peace.